Hey, in case we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Abby, and I get the joy of being the Young Adults Director here at New Hope. And I'm so glad that you made the choice to join us tonight, because I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that this is a night that's for somebody. So thanks so much for being here. Tonight, we're beginning a brand new series titled, get this, Can We Talk? Can We Talk? Now, I remember the very first time I ever announced that we were going to go through a relationship series here in Young Adults. I literally watched a girl on the very front row throw back her head and go, oh no. See, I don't know what it is about relationships, but it can spark about many different emotions for us all. Some single people get really excited at the thought of speaking about it, while other people get anxiety. Those dating and married relationships, they can even begin to start to ask the question, well, am I really going to get anything from this? See, a deep pain can arise in some of our hearts because we can be reminded of the person that used to be here that's no longer here. Maybe for you, when you hear that word relationships, a sting of emotions come up because you're reminded of the one thing that you've always wanted and yet you still do not have. That's why before we do anything in this series, the very first thing I want us to know is I believe that this is going to be a series that's for everyone. This is for the person who's wondering if God sees them. This is for the person who's questioning if better is possible for them. This is for the one feeling st stuck, for the one scared of letting go, for the one feeling forgotten or unseen. This is for the person who's questioning whether or not they're even worthy of receiving a good thing. This is for the person that wants to become the best them possible to steward whatever relational season that God has you in. Because the truth is, as we move through every season of our life, in work, in friendships, relationships, things with our family, the truth is you can have the best foundation. A foundation kind of like this Jenga set, right? It's firm, steady, securely building on top of the other. See, you can graduate, you can land the job, you can date that person, you can even have that cute little Pinterest wedding that you've pinned for ages. You can get married, you can buy the house, get the dog, but the truth is, you can gain all of these growth and opportunities, but if you don't get you right, it can all fall through. See, no matter what you pursue, if you don't get you right, it can all fall through. That's why in this series, we're gonna be talking about how to become the best version of ourselves so that we can steward well whatever relational season that God has you in. And we're gonna do this by diving deep into the book of Ruth. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn with me to Ruth chapter one. Ruth chapter one. This is gonna be a series where we really study the Bible together. So I encourage you as you come back throughout the series, bring your Bibles, take notes. If you don't have one tonight, don't worry, we got you covered, it's gonna be on the screens. But while you're turning there, let me go ahead and give you some context to the book of Ruth. Ruth is one of two books in the Bible that doesn't necessarily highlight a miracle of God, but rather it highlights the hand of God being interwoven throughout a person's life story. And this is of great significance because I don't know about you, but when someone looks back at my life story, I want them to be able to say, wow, only the hand of God could have done that. Amen. That's why it's important that we turn our eyes to the word so that we can apply it to our lives. So picking up in Ruth chapter one, verse one, this is what the word of God says. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife, 
how cute, and their two sons. The name of the man was Emiliac, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. Now pause. Before we continue on, that's a lot of big names. So let me go ahead and broke down what happened so that we can all be on the same page together. We see that a man named Emiliac and his wife Naomi are living in the land of Bethlehem. These are two followers of Jesus living in the land that God has destined for them. When all of a sudden a famine happens, and so they choose to move to a different land called Moab. Now why is this important? Because the text said this happened when judges ruled the land. And if we study our Bibles in the book of Judges, we get a little bit more context to the culture. As it says in those days, there was no king in Israel, but everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. See, I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like our world today. And a world that says, your truth is your truth. Hey, if it feels good, do it. Who am I to judge you? You do you. Everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. But the problem with this is they neglected the eyes of the one who mattered most, and it was God. But what's fascinating about this is Emiliac's name literally means God is my king. This man has defined his whole life by this phrase, God is my king. And yet, the moment times get challenging, the first response that he has is to go to the land of Moab that was forbidden by God. See, Bethlehem was the place chosen for God's people. It's where God had destined them to be. But Moab? Moab was a place that was forbidden by God. In fact, if you study the Old Testament scripture, we see that God would refer to Moab as his wash basin, literally meaning that that place was only worthy of the dirt. What's worse is the people in Moab, they were following a false god named Chemosh. And it created a culture so evil that people were having to sacrifice their own children in order to get to this false god. This is what's happening in the land of Moab. And this is where Elimiak is choosing to lead his family. He's saying, I know God is my king, but I can't really see what God is doing here in this moment, so I'm just gonna go my own way. And how many times can we do the same? We say, I know God is my king, but this person in my life right now is with me. And if I'm honest, I've been single for so long and I'm not getting any younger and I know that they're not who God is meant for me to be with, but I'm just gonna keep them for now. I know God is my king, but it's okay. We can say, I know God is my king. I know God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ask, think, or imagine. But if I'm honest, I doubt if God can really do that for me. Because if you saw my past, there's no way that I'm going to be worthy of receiving a blessing like that. Sure, God can bless other people like that. But when it comes to me, there's no way. We can say, I know God is my king. But I got this person in my life right now. And they have almost everything that I've ever asked for except for one thing. They just don't fully follow God. But I mean, that's okay, right, God? I mean, they said they would respect my faith. Surely, it's all right. But I beg you, when times get tough, choose to trust. 
When times get tough, choose to trust. When times get tough, choose to trust. I literally made it two T's of alliteration so you can remember exactly what we're talking about tonight. When times get tough, choose to trust. Don't you dare take matters into your own hands just because you can't see what God is doing. See, the best part about our God is he's not limited to circumstances. God sees the very things that we don't see. And woman of God in the room tonight, please note that it was a limiac, the man of God who led his family to the place forbidden by God. Can I get real for a moment? You don't wanna just settle for a man that's gonna respect your faith. You want a man of God who's gonna take you by the hand and say, come on, babe, let's go follow the father together. That's the kind of man you want. Whenever I'm talking to someone who's cute with a little bit of potential, I always ask myself the question. I do. Just being one, you said I could be real with you about five seconds ago. But whenever I'm talking to someone, I always ask the question, if ever I was having a really hard day, would I want this person to pray for me? See, I don't wanna have a bad day and come home to someone that doesn't talk to Jesus. I want him to already have a relationship with God that actually makes me wanna follow God even better. Guys in the room, you thought I forgot about you. We need more men of God in the church. I mean true men of God who are unafraid to worship, who are unafraid to model what real love looks like. I know that girls can be so cute, but you don't want some girl that's like, oh, do you really got to go to church again tonight? No, you want a girl who's going to champion your walk of faith as you walk with the Father. That's your cue to clap. who you unite your life with through marriage matters so much more to God than it does to you. Because God knows the amount of influence that that person's going to have in your life. And the consequence of being in the wrong place can have devastating effects. Let me show you. As the word of God continues, it says, but Elimiak, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was then left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah not to be confused with Oprah. And the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there in the land of Moab for about 10 years, and both Malon and Kilion died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. See, this family was never supposed to be in Moab in the first place. But because times got tough and they chose not to trust, it eventually led to the death of Elimiak and both of their sons. They all died in Moab when they were never supposed to be there in the first place. But the worst part about this is they knew. See, earlier on in the text, it said they went to sojourn in the country of Moab. The use of that word sojourn shows that they were living in a temporary placement. Yet they just, we just read that in Moab, they lived there, do you remember, for 10 years. Do you know how long it takes to get from Bethlehem to Moab? Probably not, because that's a weird fun fact, but I'm going to tell you. It takes 50 miles. So depending on the level of how much you work out, this is about a day or two journey, maybe three if you're super tired. But you mean to tell me this family who always knew that living in Moab was temporary stayed in that place for 10 years when they could have left in a day or two? But how often can we do the same? 
we say, God, I know this job isn't where you want me. God, I know this friendship isn't bringing out God's best in me. God, I know this person isn't who you want me to marry, but it's way better than starting over. See, we can buy the lie that it's better to stay in a place of complacency than to actually trust that God is going to be who he says he is. But if it breaks God's heart, why do you think it's going to fulfill yours? See, God didn't give us a Bible full of rules to follow. He gave us a Bible with these rules as a loving kindness and protection. Not to punish us, but to protect us. God never wanted Emiliac to be in the land of Moab because he saw what Elimiac could not. Hear me, your tough situation is not a surprise to God. The struggles that you're having right now in your job, the tensions that you're feeling in your family, your singleness, your heartbreak, that thing that's weighing on your heart right now as we speak, these things are not a surprise to God. But in your tough times, God is calling you to trust him, to take him at his word, because I promise you there's something so much better than Moab that you can't even see yet. The question becomes, will you trust him? Will you trust him? When faced with the famine, Elimiak allowed his tough situation to make him to run to Moab instead of choosing to trust in God, which eventually led to his death. But God. Y'all been doing really good talking back tonight, so help me out. Somebody say, but God. But God. But God. But God. He specialized in working all things out together for good, even our past mistakes. He causes all things to work out together for good, just as he says in Romans 8, 28. All it takes is one turn towards him. So when Naomi is faced with the death of her husband and her two sons, she decides to finally take God at his word by trusting and turning towards him. So she sits down with her daughters-in-laws. and She tells them that she's going to return to the land of God. And the word of God continues as it said, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go. Return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And she kissed them. And she lifted up their voices and they wept together. You want to know why we're talking about relationships tonight? Because nobody cries like the brokenhearted. They came and lifted up their voices as they wept together. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. See, in other words, Naomi is telling her daughters-in-laws, hey, we messed up. We were never supposed to be here in the first place. So now I'm going back to the land that God is calling me to be in, but you're released to stay here. That word rest in the scriptures that Naomi uses as she tells her daughters-in-laws, hey, go find rest in the house of your husband. She's not talking like, go get your nap on. She's talking about go find security in the house of a husband. Find security in your identity of being a spouse. So Orpah leaves, but Ruth is after something better. Ruth is not concerned about having security in a spouse. She wants spiritual security. She wants to know something greater. And spoiler alert, maybe it's why she gets a whole book of the Bible named after her. Continuing on in the word of God, it said, Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, 
and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. See, Ruth says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving the one true God that I found. Can I tell you something about me? I really, really love weddings. Like, I think they're adorable. I'm here for it. I love weddings. And this verse that we just read together is one of the most popular verses of scriptures to quote at a wedding. One that says, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. But when we study the context of the verse, we see the power in it. See, Ruth was a Moabite woman. The only reason why she's connected to this family of God is because she married Naomi's son while living in Moab, the very place they were never supposed to be. See, we serve a God who can work all things out together, even your past mistakes. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's not a God of, I don't care what you've done. He wants your heart. This family was away from God's people. They were being disobedient to the Father. They even married ungodly people. Yet one turn towards God changed everything. And for Ruth, this relationship that she found with the family introduced her to the greatest gift possible, and that was God. Here's what I want us to know tonight. We should be more concerned about the status of someone's soul rather than our relationship goal. We should be more concerned about the status of someone's soul rather than our relationship goal. Ruth lived in Moab. Her family was in Moab. She was following false God. She was living in the culture there. Yet one experience with Naomi's family changed everything because she saw the fruit of a living God working through that family. And even though Naomi and Ruth's relationship was one of a mother and daughter, God used that relationship to point to something higher himself. Ruth chose to leave everything behind her, her family, her home, all she had ever known because the relationship she found introduced her to something greater and that was God. What memory do you leave behind in your relationships? For those dating, how are you stewarding the heart of a person that God has entrusted you with? Are you pointing them closer to Jesus? Are you building them up? Are you treasuring them, knowing that you are in their life right now for a season until God reveals something deeper? Person in a married relationship, how are you serving your spouse even after getting used to them for all the days that you've been with them? How are you building them up? Are you still treasuring them? Are you still living out those vows that you promised them? person single. When you walk into a room, what is your focus on? Is it on you and all the things that you can gain for yourself? Or is your focus on those around you and how to build them up for the kingdom of God? We should be more concerned about the status of someone's soul rather than fulfilling our relationship goal. See, often we can say that we're pursuing relationships and we're really not. We can so easily fall into the trap of pursuing ourselves showing just enough to get someone to like us, but not enough for them to know the real us. We can walk into rooms obsessed with getting other people to notice us that we miss the most important thing, and that's God and his people. When you walk into a room, what would it look like if we lived out the fruits of the spirits? What would it be like if we approach relationships by walking in the freedom with the goal of elevating Jesus rather than ourselves? 
What would it look like if our focus was on how to bless one's soul rather than fulfill a relationship goal? See, I remember there was this one time I was talking to this guy who was telling me about this girl. And the girl that he was talking about just so happened to be one of the most beautiful girls in the entire room. And I didn't know how to tell this guy that she probably had a whole lineup of really tall men after her. And so as I was thinking about what words to say, I was like, oh, you know, she is so sweet. And he kind of interrupted me and he goes, I know. Have you ever noticed how quick she is to talk to someone standing alone? And as he said that, my heart kind of melted. Because I didn't know much about this girl, but I knew that one of the only compliments she's probably ever received has probably been based off of her appearance. So I looked at this boy and I said, hey, if you really want to talk to her, why don't you start by showing up and talking about that character attribute that you notice in her? Because I can promise you, even if you gain nothing from it, she will always remember the way that you simply blessed her soul. See, Ben Stort says, when you have a source of life, you are a source of life. Through Ruth's relationships in our scripture, we see that Ruth found something so much more than security in a person. She found Jesus. So remember, as a follower of Christ, no matter what room you walk into, you have influence. So choose to build up for the glory of God. The chapter ends by saying, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. So Naomi returned along with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her. And they returned from the country of Moab. See, although it took 10 years, Naomi eventually obeyed God and left Moab for the place she knew that God was calling her. And I think Pastor Craig Rochelle says best what I want to sum up tonight. In fact, what he said is going to be on your screens. So why don't you go ahead and read it out loud with me together. Ready? Go. Don't let your past talk you out of God's good plans for you. Don't let your past talk you out of God's good plans for you. In chapter one of Ruth alone, we see the word return gets mentioned 12 times. God is placing a major emphasis on this word return. See, we serve a redemptive God who loves us in spite of us, who loves you no matter what you did last summer, no matter what you did last night, no matter who you think you are, we serve a redemptive God who loves us in spite of us. And he loves to bless us with good gifts we do not deserve. The evidence we have of this is him sending his best in Jesus, the one we still don't deserve and we still can't earn. We serve a redemptive God who loves us in spite of us. A God who specializes in rewriting our stories for his glory. We serve the redemptive God who says, fear not, for I redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. We serve the redemptive God who says, put your hope in the Lord. Not in chariots or princes, put your hope in the Lord. For in him is unfailing love and full redemption. We serve a redemptive God who even when we walk away, he'll stand on the front porch waiting for us to return because that's the God he says that he is. This God loves and chooses you. And one turn towards him changes everything. So my question for us tonight, is there a place where you are still staying stuck in Moab? Is there a place in your life where you're still staying stuck in Moab? Maybe for you it's a habit that you have. 
that you know needs to finally break for good so you can step into becoming the man or woman of God that God has called you to be. Maybe for you, it's letting go of that relationship that you know is not God's best for you, and you know it because God has already told you more than twice. Maybe for you, it looks like sitting down to have a serious conversation about God with your significant other as you invite the Father into aspects of your relationship. Whatever it looks like for you, one turn towards God can change everything. So what do you need to walk away from so that you can step into the light? We serve a God who rewrites our stories. He makes us into a testimony. He's a God who takes us far from where we used to be and he changes our stories as we go walking into the light with him. So as we close tonight, Pastor John and Taylor, they're gonna come and they're gonna lead us in the song that they wrote for our house. It's called Walking in the Light. And as we sing this song, I don't want us to just sing the lyrics out and have a bunch of fun, but rather I want us to mark this moment as a testament of us declaring that we're gonna be the ones who choose to walk away from the things of this world as we go walking into the light. So would you go ahead and stand up with me to your feet as we go to God in prayer together? Well, Father God, we come before you tonight, Jesus. And God, I thank you that you are a God of grace and truth. God, I thank you that you teach us things in your word not to punish us, but to protect us. God, I thank you that you are the God that specializes in showing us a better way each and every single time. So Father God, right now, I just wanna pray over every single person in this room. God, I wanna pray over every single relationship, every single family dynamic, every single friendship, Father. And God, we pray that the things that are in their life, the hand of God would touch and anoint. God, we pray as they walk out of this room tonight, Jesus, that they would truly become better versions of who you've called them to be, God. God, we thank you that you give us the invitation to not stay in dark places, but to rather go walking in the light. God, thank you that you are good at rewriting our stories. God, thank you that you are the God who turns us into a testimony. And God, I thank you that God, with you, we get to celebrate and worship because you are worthy. God, we love you and we trust you. We pray that you'd be enthroned on our praises tonight. It's in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus that everybody said together, Amen.